Well, good morning, everyone. I hope you all had a happy Thanksgiving. I hope that each of you were able to take a moment and just reflect on what you're thankful for. Because that's what Thanksgiving is. It's a day for us to be able to count our blessings. Even with the stress of preparing things and maybe cooking the meal. Even with the stress of, you know, having to get the house all clean. The preparation of guests. Or maybe you traveled somewhere Thursday. And that has a tendency to wear you down as well. Nowadays, it seems like shopping seems to interfere with Thanksgiving. I mean, it's crazy. Black Friday is a day that Americans are willing to kill each other over materialistic things just a day after being thankful for what we have. That's so ironic. But regardless, I hope you was able to sit back and just reflect and just take a moment to thank God for all the blessings that He has given you. Now, I love Thanksgiving, but Thanksgiving was last Thursday. What I want to talk about today is how to be thankful the other 364 days of the year. You see, I want us to all look at things differently today. That's my goal. I want us all to be able to focus on all the blessings God gives us every day. And I want you to see the importance of coming face to face with God and personally thanking Him for all that He's done. Psalm 100 verse 4 says, Enter into His gates with thanksgiving. And enter into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Let's say you have a grandson. And some of you do. If you don't, pretend that you do. So you have a grandson. And you went out and you built your grandson the best backyard playground in town. You spent thousands of dollars on it. You invested countless hours in putting this together. And when you're all done, you walk your grandson into the backyard and you show him that new surprise. And he screams with excitement. And then he cries because he thinks of what a wonderful grandparent he has. And he gives you the biggest hug that you've ever received. And then for the next month, he can't stop playing. In this playground, he continually thanks you up and down for such a wonderful gift that you've given him. Wouldn't that make you feel good inside? Wouldn't that make you feel good for being able to bless him in such a way? Man, you'd probably want to run out and do it all over again. Just because he enjoyed it so much. And he was so thankful for everything that you did. Now consider if you went through all that hard work. And you spent all that money. Only to have your grandson go jump on the swing a few times. And leave. And act as if you hadn't invested a dime in it. Never once showing any appreciation... Or thankfulness for anything that you did. Wouldn't that make you feel awful? Wouldn't that hurt? That may even make it hard for you to continue blessing Him in that way in the future. Well, how do you think God feels? When He's done so much for us. He's given us so many things to be thankful for. And yet we go throughout the day not even stopping to think about everything that he's done. I mean, how do you think that makes God feel? Do you think he just gets overwhelmed with joy? Can't wait to send us more blessings? 
You see, God showers us with goodness, and yet often we don't even take the time to thank Him for it. Man, we don't have a problem asking for things, though. When we need something, when we're praying for something... And then maybe we get it and we just kind of move on to the next thing. We have a tendency to move on to the next request. And we often don't even thank God for what he's done. I want to go to Luke chapter 17 verse 11. And I want to read a story that demonstrates just how few of us personally give thanks to God. says, Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. So I want to pause here for just a second. So we have ten men with leprosy. It's a skin disease. Leprosy was a death sentence. Parts of your body would fall off. I mean, if you had leprosy, you were cast out. And I mean literally, you were cast out. This was the law. You see, if you had a skin disease, you went before the priest. And the priest would examine you. And the priest would declare you clean or unclean. And if you were ultimately declared unclean by the priest, it says in Leviticus 13, verse 46, as long as he has the infection, he remains unclean. He must live alone. He must live outside the camp. So you were forced to leave your home. You were forced to leave your family. You were were cast out of the city. So that's why these ten were standing outside the city. They were standing at a distance. And they were all huddled together. They were actually shut out from associating with others. And they're waiting for Jesus. Because rumor is, He's the Messiah. He's the one the Scriptures speak of. And He's been healing people. He's been making people well. So they see him coming. And like us, in times of despair, times of struggles, they're crying out, Jesus, have mercy on us. Help us. We need you. Goes on to say in verse 14, when he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went... They were cleansed. Well, I just taught you it was the priest that declared you clean or unclean. So Jesus is abiding by the ceremonial law. He's sending them to the priest, heals them as they go, so the priest will declare them clean. So they got what they were asking for. They got what they desired. Verse 15 goes on to say, One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. A Samaritan. Why why is that mentioned? A Samaritan was a foreigner. A Samaritan was half Jewish, half something else. They were hated. They were despised by the Jews. So this man actually had two strikes against him. Leprosy and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. So ten men were healed. 
Ten men were blessed in a huge way, but only one came back to personally say thanks. One in ten. I mean, don't you wonder about the other nine? Jesus did. And you see, we don't know if they were ungrateful, because it doesn't say that. You can only speculate on that. What we do know is that Jesus questioned why they didn't personally give him the thanks that he deserved. I mean, perhaps they were so focused on on what they were doing, so focused on, on what Jesus said that maybe they didn't even think to go back. I mean, Jesus said, go to the priest. Come on, guys, we got to go. That's what he said. Maybe they were so excited about being healed that they just forgot to say thanks. I mean, I can understand that. You know, I was searching for things on the Internet, and I came across some missionaries. They were on a trip in Kenya. And these missionaries drove by a soccer field where a couple dozen high school boys were playing soccer. Now, don't think of the soccer field there as with mowed grass, chalk lines, and goals. I mean, this was a field. And their soccer ball was held together with duct tape. Well, one of the missionaries had a soccer ball in the van. And the driver said, you should give them that soccer ball. So the driver stopped the van, and one of the missionaries just held the soccer ball out the window. Just held it out. That group of boys started shouting and running, running at the van so fast that the whole group just kind of crashed into the side of the van. They took the ball. They went running back onto the field. They were shouting. They were laughing. They were jumping. They were waving their arms. The sheer joy of the moment was awesome. But what happened next was even better. You see, as the driver started to pull away, one boy from the group started to chase the van. And the driver stopped the van, and this boy opened up the van door, and he personally thanked all the missionaries. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And then he ran back to join his buddies. So one boy returned to say thanks. I mean, I don't think the other boys were ungrateful. I think they were just excited. They were just caught up in the moment that it just didn't occur to them. And maybe that's how these nine lepers were. Maybe they were just so caught up in the moment that it didn't occur to them. We don't know. The Bible doesn't say that. We just know that they didn't personally take the time to give thanks to God. And that is what Jesus had a problem with. I mean, how many times have you personally thanked God? I mean, how many times have you personally taken the time to... Thank God for all the blessings that He has given you. And if you do, is it just the big things? You know, that stuff that we see as huge blessings? Maybe when a health diagnosis comes back clean, or a job opportunity comes your way. I mean, what about all the other things blessings that God gives us. I have an aunt in St. Louis, my Aunt Shirley. She's a very thankful woman. She calls me and the call always begins with, oh, Chuck, praise God. God is so good. God blessed me in this way today. He did this for me. I mean, she's always praising God. She's always thanking God. She doesn't need one day a year to remind her to be thankful. 
She counts her blessings every single day. You would think that this woman was the happiest woman and the luckiest woman on the face of the entire planet. Ephesians 5 verse 20. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, my aunt does this. She's able to be thankful for everything because she has a way of looking at things differently than most. She understands that the key to being thankful is how you view things. It's how you look at things. It's how you see things. You see, a lot of the things that God gives us, we don't see as a blessing. What someone else may see as a blessing may never even cross your mind to be thankful for it. Take this for instance. The average human being takes 20,000 breaths a day. We don't think anything of it. But it's a blessing to that person that's fighting for their life. The person that's asking God for just one more day. One more breath. They see things differently. You see, there's two ways of viewing things. There's two ways that we all look at things. And the first way is cup half empty. That's your first fill-in for the day. Cup half empty. First Corinthians 4 verse 7 says, For who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Cup half empty. See, this is when you fail to look at what you have, but instead you focus on what you don't have. You're not thinking how fortunate you are to have the full half. You're not thinking about how blessed you are that God gave you that portion. You're locked in on what's missing. Well, my stomach's full, but it's not full of steak. You know, I have a car, but it's not very nice. I wish I had a different one. The majority of the world doesn't have a car. But you don't see it that way because you focus on the negative despite the positive. Well, I don't like my job. There's not a whole lot of people that love working every day. There's not. I always tell people doing God's work in this church is my passion, but this passion doesn't pay my bills. This passion doesn't feed my kids. I have to crawl in people's nasty attics and crawl spaces to make ends meet. That's not always fun. You ever been chased out of an attic by a coon that's had babies? <laughs> Mama coons are mean. One time I was in a crawl space and I was working on a floor furnace. And I was laying down on my side. And I feel something go under me. And I just freeze. And I slowly turn my head around. And I see the back half of a big old snake. The half that hadn't crawled under my back yet. And let me tell you, when that happens, you move quick. And you pray quick. Oh, God, dear Lord, sweet Jesus. I think those were the words I chose, I'm pretty sure. As my head, my head bounced off every floor joist as I was making my exit. 
But you know what? Work is a blessing. There's a lot of people that don't have jobs. You know, the most unhappy people are the ones with a cup half-empty attitude. They're never thankful because they never see what they have as a blessing. You see, they fail to see what they have around them or who they have around them. And they focus so much on what God hasn't blessed them with that they fail to be thankful for what God has blessed them with. How do you think that makes God feel when we do that? When we're ungrateful. See, if you don't appreciate what you have, why would God bless you with more? The key to gratitude is to focus on what you have, not on what you don't have. The second way of looking at things is the cup half full. Cup half full. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Notice this scripture does not say give thanks for all circumstances. It says in all circumstances. We don't have to be thankful for something bad happening to us. But we can be thankful that God is bigger than our problems. God is bigger than any mountain that's standing in our way. You know, we can praise God in adversity. In the book of Acts, there's a story about Paul and Silas. And they come across this slave girl who had a spirit in her by which she could actually predict the future. And the scriptures say that she earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. Well, Paul commanded in the name of Jesus Christ for that spirit to come out of her. So the owners just lost their income. They're not happy about this. And this causes an uproar. Paul and Silas are stripped. They're beaten. Then they're thrown into prison. And in Acts 16... Verse 26, verse 25, it says about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. So these guys just been stripped and beaten and thrown into prison, but yet they're worshiping God in their circumstance. They're praising and thanking God, not because their circumstance is good, but because God's good. And this praising and this thanking opened up a floodgate of blessings by God. Scripture tells us that God sent an earthquake and it snapped their chains. The jailer and his family gave their lives to Christ and were baptized. They got their wounds bandaged. They got a good meal. And in the morning, word was sent to release them. So it all started with praising God in a tough circumstance, in spite of the stuff that was going on. You see, God was so moved by what took place that He sent a blessing. You know the story of the lepers that we started off with? If we can go back just to verse 19. Did you catch those last words there? The last words that Jesus said. 
Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. You see, the thankful leper received another blessing. It was an extra blessing. Jesus wasn't talking about a physical blessing because all ten of them got a physical blessing. This was something extra. This was a spiritual blessing of some sort. And it was all because he was thankful. I mean, Paul and Silas didn't know anything was about to happen. See, they would have just continued singing and praying even if nothing would have happened. Because that's where their heart was. It was a cup half full mentality. They were looking at the good in spite of the bad. But God saw it and God blessed it. You know, my aunt I told you about that's always thanking God and always praising God. And I mentioned that you would have thought she was the the luckiest woman and the happiest woman on the face of the entire planet. She lost her first child at a very young age. She's lost two husbands. Her son is a drug addict. And she has a heart defect that's going to eventually kill her. But she praises God because God is good. Friends, that's a cup half full attitude right there. See, that's how we need to view things. That's how we need to be able to look at life. That's how we can be thankful the other 364 days of the year. Every day will be Thanksgiving. Without turkey and football, of course. So that is how you are truly thankful, and God sees it. And you will be blessed because of it. Now, no matter which way you are currently looking at things, whatever is going on in your life, whatever your circumstance, you have a lot to be thankful for. You do. You have a lot to be thankful for. You have a lot of blessings in your life, whether you see them or you don't. Now, I want to show you three of them. These are just three blessings out of a lot. But these are three things that all of us share equally. These are three things that every single one of us in here can be thankful for. So three reasons to be thankful, and the first is where you are. Where you are. James 1, verses 16 and 17 said, Don't be deceived, my brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. So where you are is something that all of us should be thankful for. You know, just by living in this country, we're a million times more fortunate than the rest of the world. 90% of the world would love to have your problems, let alone your blessings. I mean, we grow used to our blessings, and then we start taking them for granted without realizing that they truly are blessings. You see, the half that we don't see If you put it in someone else's cup, man, it would fill their cup up. It would almost overflow their cup. For instance, we take for granted having water. A nice little ice storm will quickly remind you how difficult and time-consuming the most common tasks become when you don't have running water. But yet 780 million people lack access to clean water. Wow. 
That's one out of every nine people in the world. I mean, how unfair is that? Because we were born in the United States of America with a silver spoon in our mouth. Where we have unlimited access to water. Man, we take long, hot showers. We wash our clothes. We got dishwashers. Water in the toilets. Bottled water. Flavored water. We water our lawns. We got pools we put water in. And it's all because of where we were born. And yet 4,000 children will die today because they don't have water. And are you thankful? Have you thanked God for that? What about food? Man, we're a country that has an unlimited supply of food. We overeat. We're, a, we're an obese nation. We struggle with what are we going to have for dinner tonight? But yet 33% of the world's population is starving. Every 3.6 seconds, a person will die from hunger. 1.5 million children will die every year from hunger. Man, them are somebody's babies right there. But they weren't born in the United States. We're here even if you can't find a job or even if you don't want a job. For the most part, you're still taken care of here. The government makes sure you get food. And they don't have that luxury. Have you thanked God for that? You know, we gather here at church each week. And we worship together and we're taught from the Bible. But around the world, 100,000 Christians are killed annually because of their faith. In North Korea alone, 50,000 to 70,000 Christians are forced to live in concentration camps. You know, being caught with a Bible is grounds for execution. Man, we go crazy if somebody wants to take a cross down at our school. But the United States firmly supports the freedom to profess and to practice one's faith. To believe or not to believe. It's a birthright of every American. Have you thanked God for that? You see, where we are is something that every one of us can and should be thankful for. Here's another reason we can all be thankful. Who you are. Who you are. Psalm 139 verse 14 says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says, for we are God's masterpiece. Man, you are God's own masterpiece. You are. You see, when God created you, he went to great lengths to make you exactly the way that he wanted you. I mean, everything is about you is unique. Every single thing about you matters. You're not ordinary. You're not average. You're valuable, but yet some of you don't even know it. You know, I read a story one time about a man who lived in a tiny apartment and he died in extreme poverty. At one point in his life, he was even homeless. He was living on the streets. The man never had any successes to speak of. Never had any noted victories. He lived and he died as just another face in the crowd. After the funeral, some family members went to his little rundown apartment. 
to clear out his belongings and they found this painting that was hanging on the wall. So they decided to sell it at a garage sale. The woman who bought it from the garage sale took it to a local art gallery for an appraisal. And she was shocked to discover that the painting was extremely valuable. You see, the piece of art that had hung for so many years in this little run-down apartment was painted by a famous artist in the early 1800s. The woman decided to auction off the painting and ended up selling it for several million dollars. Just think how that poor man's life would have changed if he had known the value of what he possessed. He was a multimillionaire and didn't even know it. And so many of us, so many people today are living with priceless treasure inside and you don't even know it. You're a masterpiece. You were created by the most famous artist of all. But if you don't understand your value, you'll just go on thinking, I'm just average. I'm not that talented. I don't like the way I look. I mean, every single one of us battle this to some extent. Doesn't matter the sex. We all do. I struggled with my bald spot for a long time. This is true. It bothered me so much that I bought Rogaine one time. And I used it for six months. Nothing. I must have been in that 15% that it claimed wouldn't benefit from it. And then I had a heck of a time ending my subscription. They just kept sending me more and more and more. If it would have actually worked, I would have looked like Bon Jovi in the 80s. So then I called Bosley Hair Institute. I set up an appointment. They said, we can fix it, but it's going to cost you $5,000. I thought, you know, this bald spot really doesn't look that bad on me. (laughs) You see, we all battle with the way that we look at ourselves. We do. And it must break God's heart. When we think that we're not good enough. I mean, the things that women struggle with. Man, you can't base your happiness or your contentment on a look or a size or what society has decided you should look like. Man, you need to see yourselves as God sees you. You've been created in the very image of God, knit together by the hands of God. And when we see ourselves as something less, we're in turn being unthankful for the person that God has created. If you see yourselves as ugly, you're claiming something God made was ugly. Would you dare go to God and tell Him that something He made was ugly? But that's what a lot of women do every time they look at themselves in the mirror. And they see something that they think is less than perfect. You need to see yourselves the way God sees you. I want to show you a video that I came across a few weeks ago. I think a lot of people need to see this. Even though things were difficult, 
You kept on going with dignity, grace, strength. You have become an inspiration, and I'm not the only one that thinks that. Hi, sweetheart. Hopefully this is still a surprise. We wanted to tell you how truly inspirational you are to so many people. You've always put me first, and you've always taken every opportunity to tell me how proud you are of me. And I just want to take this opportunity to tell you how proud I am of you. I couldn't do any of what I do without your support. When I fell into a coma last year, I woke up, and my family was there, and you were there. You were there in the room when I got the call that my dad was dying, and you held me tight and cried with me, and then you took care of my kids. I'm so lucky to have you as my wife, as my best friend. You're the best mother ever. Um, you're the greatest advocate for our sons, Brent and Harry, and we love you, and you should be very, very proud. You are beautiful, not just on the outside, but you are so much on the inside. A moment does not go by that people don't see that. Men, women, kids, God is fond of you. He is. He loves having you around. He thinks you're the best thing to come down the pike in quite a while. If he's got a refrigerator, your picture's on it. If he's got a wallet, your photo's in it. He sends you flowers every spring. He sends you a sunrise every morning. Whenever you want to talk, he'll listen. He can live anywhere in the universe. He chose your heart. Man, God is fond of you. He's crazy about you. You need to be thankful for who you are. Third thing to be thankful for, what you are. what you are. Second Corinthians 5 verse 17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. When you gave your life to Christ, you became a new creation. You weren't just born again. You became sons and daughters of God. God didn't repair the old you. He created a new you. So let me tell you what you are. You're accepted. You are blessed. You are chosen. You are holy and without blame. You are redeemed. You are forgiven. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit and your inheritance is guaranteed. That's what you are. Isn't that something to be thankful for? Friends, it's a choice. It's a choice to be thankful. Are you making that choice? You see, we have all Every single one of us, we've been blessed beyond measure. 
It just takes a different way of thinking to see it. There was a young lady and she fell to her knees. She said, God, help me. She said, God, I can't handle this anymore. I'm tired. I'm stressed out. Work has me putting in long hours. The kids won't behave. My husband never seems to help with anything. Please, God, I need your help. And she heard God whisper, Which one do you want me to take away? And she realized how thankful she was for all the blessings that she was complaining about. And then she thanked God for everything. She became that 10% that we talked about. I want to close today by all of us being that 10%. Inside your programs, you're going to find a thank you card. The band is going to play a song about God's blessings about how he showers us with grace in all situations in life. And I just want each of you to take a moment and to write a thank you note to God. You can just write down stuff that you're thankful for, or maybe you can put it in a letter form, whatever you're comfortable with. Just tell God that you're thankful. Then sign your name at the bottom don't have to turn it in or anything. It's just you showing gratitude to God.
refrigerator. Put it on your mirror. Put it somewhere where you can see it. Where you can see daily all the things that God's blessed you with. And you can be thankful for the things that God has given you. You see, the key to gratitude is perspective. And that's how to be thankful. Let's stand for closing prayer. Dear Almighty God, we just stand before you right now. God, we are thanking you for showing us a different way to look at things. Man, we're praising you for all the wonderful blessings that you bestow upon us each day. Things that have maybe went unnoticed before. God, we're going to look at things differently. God, we're going to try to look at our circumstances differently. We're going to glorify you. Wherever we're at, wherever we're going to be, God, let us keep a cup half full mentality, an actual attitude of gratitude. Jesus' powerful name, we all say together, amen. Have an awesome week. Know you love you.